Hey, 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 AK Heads. We are back with another episode of the Talking Lead AK Corner. This is season three, episode four. And we're going to be talking a little Kalashnikov. And we've brought some experts on board to do that. Joining me, as always, my co-host is Brian Keeney with Occam Defense Solutions. Brian? Great to be here again. Uh, I'm talking with bright people about stuff I love. That's right. Uh, the AK is uh, something that everybody is growing to love, I do believe. And uh, Brian and I have been doing... You joined us last season. You were kind of my co-host all last season, too, right? During season two? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the whole season, and now season season three, we're in the fourth episode of twelve. So we got uh, a lot more this season to get into. So if you've got, if you've, yeah, we're getting a lot covered. Yeah, but if you guys have topics, you've got guests uh, that you want us to cover, shoot me an email, talkingled at gmail .com. Put in the top in the subject, uh, AK corner. That way, uh, it's easy for me to categorize and find a little bit later. And we'll do our best to cover the, the topics, answer the questions, uh, have the guest on that you want. And our guest joining us today is no stranger to the show. He got a brief brief sampling of it at uh, the 2019 SHOT Show, where we got a lot of the greatest minds in the AK industry to join us for one of those episodes. Uh and it is John Holton with M13 Industries. John, welcome in. Hello. How's it going? It's going really good, man. I've uh, been uh, excited to do this one. I've, I've been getting more and more into the smithing side of, of firearms. And, uh, you know, the, the AK just kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, just, oh, yeah. They, they can be a little intimidating. A little intimidating just because... Of the barrel is the only thing that really intimidates me is the barrel. You know, having the the press. If it wasn't for that, I mean, I would be in it a hundred percent. You know, I'd be all in on it. Uh, but until you guys, and hopefully you can you can make me feel a more comfortable about it during this episode. Maybe uh, direct me to a good press or something like that that I could use for my own personal use. I'll be you know balls to the wall, all in a hundred percent. I'm sure, like Brian, he's got quite a few modified presses. And you buy them and then make a bunch of tooling for them. Is what usually happens. This is true. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, there is a tried and true recipe that John and I may disagree on a little bit about, but I think in the main we're going to be saying the same things for getting started, and and that would be a a fun. Yeah, that'd be a fun conversation to have because. Uh, getting people unscared as long as they understand that they may ruin the gun they're working on. Um, you know, if you got that old beater of a, you know, some company name, I'm not going to mention, but the one that, you know, you don't feel good shooting, um, you know, rehabbing a one that may or may not belong in the dump as a better place for it. That's a, that's a real good place to start. There you go. Yeah. We've all brutalized at least one gun have messed it up in our lives. When we first started going, oh, I could do this. Wow. Maybe I shouldn't have touched that. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Big well, time. That, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of my, my fears. Like I'll get into it and I'm like, okay, I feel very comfortable with this. And, you know, I know all the parts and everything, but it's just that barrel, you know, once I get into anything with the barrel, then I just kind of want to back off and, 
and it, you know, I'm very hesitant on it, but anything else, I've, you know, triggers and all the other part, the parts and, mm-hmm. uh, hand guards, because that's around the barrel, you know, that's a little intimidating if I'm going to, to something like a Merc or, um, mm-hmm. you know, not a, mm-hmm. not a standard hand guard that kind of, uh, intimidates me a little bit also. Uh, but we've got you guys on to get me past that, to get our listeners past that, to get them into uh, doing their own smithing uh, to a certain extent. But there's always you get to that point where you're going to have to have a professional uh, smither involved. And uh, M13 Industries uh, does an excellent job with their Kalashna smithing. So, John, tell us a little bit about M13, the history of your company, how you got into it, and what all you guys specialize in. I got into it, you know, just like most people, really interested in the platform, saw how very rugged it was. Uh, I've always been a tinkerer and messing with things, so why not mess with guns? So I started tinkering with my first one, which didn't turn out the greatest. <laughs> it's it's the gift for everything. So you built that one up first, uh, learned a lot of tricks and stuff, then kept every time you do something, you want to do a little bit more. Hey, what if I did this? What if I did that? Since I already had access to a lot of machine work, and machining tools, I just it just kept rolling to where I try more and more different things. Uh, as a company, we started back in 2012. Officially had a guard license, and uh, we been, we specialized in the AK platform, doing everything from kit builds to you know barrel chops to trigger jobs, kind of whatever you know somebody needs. Uh, and then we also go beyond just regular AKs into um, you know. RPDs, uh, DP28s, uh, 1919s, you know, Stens, Sterling's, Brens, you know, all sorts of different platforms. We stay away from the pistols. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a pistol guy. I don't get into your Glocks and everything, and I don't do bolt guns. I don't do hunting rifles and stuff like that. Just it really wasn't my niche. Yeah. Uh, but we do pretty much everything else. I mean, the ARs, you know, YouTube's for that. I don't really get into that stuff. <laughs> But uh, I specialize in the, the fun, what I consider the fun guns. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the AK, you know, compared to the AR, I mean, if you look at it, it looks like it, it it's designed to be a simple gun. You know, easy. Very much so. Easy to fix, Very- battle, you know, battle proven, um, easy to, to fix and maintain on the, on the battlefield. And it was designed that way on purpose, you know, yeah. they purposely built. A battle rifle by um, the Russians, of course, Mikhail Kalashnikov back in 1947, which is what AK-47 stands for, the Avtomat Kalashnikova, 1947. Um, but it's just that one part, you know, for me. Uh, but but talk about, and when we've done this on several other episodes, um, the key components of the AK-47. We get, you always have the Holy Trinity, which is the bolt, bolt carrier, and front trunnion. Those are the parts you can't skimp on. They have to be the best. That's what's holding the explosion four inches away from your face. So, you know, <laughs> everyone has their ideas of what is good, what is bad. In my opinion, I don't really care for the cast parts of those, of those parts. They're not really properly made by some of the manufacturers out there. Uh, there might be other ones that I don't know about, but most of the stuff that I've seen that's cast is really poorly made and when you start getting now for the AK guy who goes out and shoots 400 500 rounds a year they'll probably live a really long time for the guy who's going out and dumping a thousand rounds a month 
not so much. They're going to die. They're going to deform. You're going to have start having problems. Headspace is going to grow, and it's just not going to live. So it's just you got to keep that holy trinity of parts that are good. If those any of those parts start to go wonkus, you're in for some trouble. Fast, John. Uh, this is something I'm I'm going to niggle with you here very very slightly, but I think free in the end. Um, it's my personal feeling that it is possible for a casting to be very good. However, it seems that those who cast generally, and I don't want to, I don't, this isn't a blanket statement, but in general, it seems to be a correlation between people that are cutting corners elsewhere who use cast stuff. Is that, do we generally agree on, yeah, on that? Yeah, you, know, you can make a cast part good. Look at crankshafts and motors. Most of them are cast. And they produce, you know, thousands of horsepower. Can hold it just fine. But they're doing it with quality in mind. Hey, we're going to make a good quality part. We're not going to skip any corners. And the problem, unfortunately, a little bit with the AK world is people still have the mentality of, okay, AKs are cheap. So nobody wants to spend over $1,000 on an AK. Those, yeah, that's bad. That's great. In 1990, we're not there anymore. You don't buy gas for a dollar a gallon. It doesn't happen that way. We're all $3, $4 a gallon. So people kind of got to get that mentality out of their mind of AKs are cheap. They're cheaper in some forms, ammo, one thing, uh, but they're not cheap guns. They're, if you make them good with quality parts, they're going to be a little more expensive than the the cheap you know, junk that's kind of out there. And you know, like I said, if, if you're shooting only a couple rounds a month, yeah, you'd be fine. But if you're really working this gun, you're going to have issues. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I said, it's four inches away from your face exploding. I, I, I want quality stuff. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yep, we agree on that. And we don't build on anything cast here in terms of the Holy Trinity. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's that's another g- good thing. You're talking about the explosions that close to your face. You know, all the parts on the AK are large. You know, they're larger, yeah. bulkier, more reliable parts than, you know, the smaller ones that, that you get on the AK. So uh, you're typically going to have less, I guess, maintenance issues with the AK versus the AR. Yeah. Would you agree to that? Yeah, they're very robust. I mean, you know, you only have technically two locking lugs, really, that are working. And, man, they, they withstand that over and over and over, you know, of explosions going on, and they work just fine. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, something pretty much so simple works so well. Yeah. You've got those large parts, and you've got a lot of extra space in there. You know, so yeah. when they're out on the, the battlefields in these dusty, dirty conditions getting all that goop and gunk in there then they've got more room to you know for those big parts and everything to to be moving around less malfunctions yep they can handle a lot more gunk getting in there than some of the other you know platforms out there yeah john i i ought to send you this i've got a few pics of it i had a gun come back customer complaint was that uh the firing pin was stuck to the rear and I was like, huh, it could be that we got a, you know, bad heat treat on that one firing pin or something, and it got swaged, right? That's one possible failure mode there. So I'm like, hey, just send me the bolt, or here's a shipping label. I'll get it squared away. So immediately when I open up the bag, I see in the firing pin channel, I see what looks like a chunk of primer that had been punched out like a, 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 a circular chunk. And I'm like, ah, I think I found a problem. Well... I cry, you know, tear the pulp down, and there's at least 30 of those chunks of primer in there that had been hammered flat, and they were all 
squished flat as pancakes between the firing pin and the taper right as the firing pin necks down to where it becomes a point. Just wow. all in there was just covered in these. It, it looked like rolled out biscuits or something on the <laughs> on the surface of the firing pin. And and so all that extra space, both in the firing pin channel and in um, in the receiver in general, allows a place for that shit to move and get out of the way of function. And it's a real testament, I think, to the AK, uh, the design in general, that the gun continued to fire off what ended up being horrifically overpressured rounds. You know, they were like 15, 20,000 PSI over spec. Wow. So it's amazing the gun didn't blow. And the headspace only grew by about a thou. So um, I, think it, I think he dodged a bullet on that one. But but Very yes, so. that the, all that extra room sitting down in the AK receiver is, is a big deal. Now, John, last time we talked was, uh, like I said, the 2019 SHOT Show. Um, and we had... Uh, uh, like I said, some of the, the greatest AK minds in the industry we had. Um, Brian was joining us. You were joining us. Um, um, who was the guy from Century Arms? Uh, oh, that was Ken. Yeah, Ken. Uh, He's not there anymore. Uh, Ken Cross. He's at uh, uh, Primary Arms now. Yeah, he's still, at Primary. Still doing the Lord's work. We love yeah. Ken. Yeah, and then of course the you know the Godfather of the AK forty seven, we had Jim Fuller join us uh, on that episode too. Um, I was wanting to do a reunion for this year. Of course, you know COVID screwed everything up. Yeah. Uh, and when you were on, you were talking about some things that you guys you know some guns that you guys were working on. You're talking about the Mini Monster. Are you guys still working yeah. doing the Mini Monsters? Well, yeah, uh, we still. They're pop very popular as a pistol, obviously, because the wonderful arm braces that we're allowed to have, uh, they work great. They're a fun little gun, you know, seven and a quarter inch long barrel, mostly seven, six, two, a couple five for fives out there. And they're just a fun, you know, they make great fire flamethrowers. Uh-huh. It's a very fun gun. Talk about, talk about the design in those, what, uh, what you're putting on them and. Whatnot. So the standard package on one of those is it, uh, is like I said, seven and a quarter inch barrel. Uh, runs the uh, JMAC Customs GBC-13 gas block combo. Uh, usually has their LAF brake on there because it's loud and flashy or loud as, you know yeah. what. <laughs> uh, we run an SLR handguard because they were nice enough to work with us and make a gas tube uh, assembly on there. Uh, we run the uh, Saberworks KOP, which allows us to run a longer uh, 1913 rail on top. Gets the sight picture a little bit wider because it is such a short gun. Uh, and run on the most of them run the ALG, uh, the Krebs Customs Safety, and in the back it kind of matters. Most of them have a uh, folding stock, a 4.5 millimeter folding stock mechanism, so you can put an arm brace on there. Or later on, if you SBR, you could throw a triangle on there, or you know one of the other adapters. Uh, we have a couple fixed stock ones out there, but most of them are folders, and just makes a you know fun little platform. Uh, it's obviously we're not going to be shooting 300 yards with the gun. But it's you know it's a good close range fun gun to shoot. Yeah, and it's the mini monster. Yep, yeah, because it's the the first one we built was actually for uh, Ashley over at JMac Customs. Hmm. Uh, we built the uh, one that you see there for her. Uh, we were kind of going by Justin talking to him about it, and he was like, "Yeah, let's build, let's build one, let's build one." So we built one, uh, debuted it at uh, Red October, I think, twenty eighteen, I think it was. Uh, and people just loved it. It was, you know, cause it's, you know, it threw a huge fireball out. It was very cool. 
we built one of ours as a post sample right afterwards. Uh, that's the one you, I mean, everyone's seen a million videos of the orange gun. Uh, you know, and it's just, it's, you know, it, with that LAF break, it is a fire thrower and it just looks hella cool. It's a fun gun to shoot. One of my favorites. <laughs> LAF. I like that. Yeah. It's, it, when you shoot that thing, everyone swears it's some giant cannon gun and they come around the corner and they're like, that's only 762. Yeah, that's all it is. I mean, they're wow, loud enough cool. without any enhancements, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if you're at the range, you know, you know, somebody shooting an AK. Very much so. Put one of Very those parky. on there. Now, you also uh, were talking about the OSC-13? Yep. That is our kind of competition, suppressor-ready, kind of everything kind of rifle. So it's built as a 16, or a, sorry, 14.5, pin and welded to 16 inches. So it's 16-inch overall barrel length. Uh, most of the ones we build are also with the JMAC uh, uh, gas block on there and also their RD4C for the Sandman. So it takes the Dead Air Sandman series of suppressors on there, the key mods. Uh, in the suppressed version, it comes with a KNS gas piston. That way you can adjust it to whatever kind of load you have to be running. Also, it runs the SLR Rifleworks handguard and uh, gas tube, KOP on there as well. So you have you know, whatever option you like for your optic. And then uh, in the back, it's you know ALG trigger, Krebs Custom Safety. And in the back, again, most of them have folders because that seems to be what most people like. But there are fixed, fixed stock versions as well. Okay. And they just go to your website? Yeah, that gives it on our website. Just kind of gets people like, I might run a suppressor one day, but I'm not sure. This way they could still run the gun fully well without a suppressor on it. Mm -hmm. And eventually if they want to, you know, or they get their gun, their suppressor out of jail, they could throw the suppressor on there, go shoot, and they're happy as, you know, a lark. Yeah, happy as hell. You can say that. (laughs) Yep. You can say that on the show. Speaking of jail, I've got one in jail right now. It's one of the... um, um, Suppressor projects? Is that what it's called, Brian? Um, stealth project. Stealth project. Yeah. Stealth, stealth project suppressors. suppressors. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, that I'm anxious to, to get out. So I just saw, I got a notification from the silencer shop today said that the, the uh, money has been deposited into the, the government's account. So. <laughs> oh, the check clear. Great. That's yeah. a good sign. That, yeah. That means at least they're processing it too. Yeah, yeah. Now I got a question on that. Now, if if you don't pass a background check, or for some reason it comes back, you know, and they don't uh, um, approve you, do you get your money back, or do they just keep that two hundred bucks? No, they keep two hundred bucks. Sorry, so sad, too bad. Okay, I wasn't sure about that. I didn't know how that worked. So. The other thing is, is technically the receiving uh, SOT that took the suppressor. If they're nice, they might work with you, and you know, and either sell the suppressor on your behalf or. If silencer shop or something like that will take it back, kind of matters each one. Uh, but technically, they don't have to. It's theirs to hold on to. Wow. So, I mean, I've heard of some SOTs just saying, well, you didn't pass. Too bad. It's our suppressor now. Okay. Like, wow. Okay. <laughs> we've only had, we've had two people that had issues. Uh, one got his resolved. Uh, it took four years, but he eventually got his suppressor. Four uh, years. Uh, had, yeah, four years because he, he failed it the first time. And then they had to do a bunch of paperwork or something wow. to figure out what the actual issue was on his. Uh, and then he cleaned it up or whatever additional year of what you do, you know, for your suppressor. And he got it. And he was happy as a lark. He was kind of, he, he sold the gun he was for originally, but eh, at least he's got it now. Patient. <laughs> yeah. He's a patient man. More patient than I would have been. Definitely. Holy yeah. cow. Well, well, hopefully everything's uh, okay with mine. I don't foresee any issues, but 
uh, I was just always curious about that because I've never had any problems. It's like if you do no, that and you don't pass, it's, it's you just, a donation. That's the way you got to look at it. I'm giving them a two hundred dollar donation. Yeah, yeah. I got words for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I was told, as I was told by them, they said the two hundred dollars doesn't cover anything. It's a way they basically lose money every time they do one of these transactions. So I, I proposed to them. I said, okay, since it takes eight months to a year to get your paperwork back. What if you told people for $400, we will give you an answer in a week or 30 days even? Uh-huh. I said, I can almost guarantee you people would do that. And all you do is you fast track them. You get more people in there. If $400 a transaction, people would do it. And Don't give them an you- excuse to charge us more money. Come on. <laughs> yeah. They're all about money. That's what that, runs I, the world. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. So what is your background, uh, John? My, I am so, I'm a self-taught gunsmith i taught myself everything i know uh my actual background is i actually come from the automotive racing world uh i have another business that specializes in high performance uh transmissions and transaxles and uh the shock sorbers on off-road vehicles oh nice That's where my heavy background comes into that world so i i started a company back in would it be 94 95 sorry 1995 uh, that uh, specialized in the race car transaxles used in a lot of the off-road, drag, road race, uh, sand uh, vehicles. And we took you know, from Volkswagen, and we saw the evolution from Volkswagen into uh, Mindiolas to Fortins to Albans getting bigger and bigger transmissions because the world of horsepower went from guys who had 65 horsepower to now they're at 2,500 horsepower. <laughs> and you got to make a build a transmission that will withstand some – Somebody who got a few too many beers in themselves and are trying to upstage their buddy because he's got 2,300 horsepower. Right. So, <clears throat> I have a I have another company that also deals in those as well. So a lot of my heavy me- uh, mechanical knowledge and you know of what metals work and machining and stuff like that comes from that. Okay, well, that's interesting. Um, so a lot of our lead heads are motor heads also. So give that company a plug. What's the name of it? Uh, that is RC Trans. RC Trans. Have you done yep. anything for uh, like a, a 97 GMC Yukon? No, but we had, uh, we kind of specialized in the transaxles. Okay. Which is basically the, tr- the transmission and rear engine one. Rear, okay. okay. Used a lot on the rear engine vehicles or some, we have some front engine ones, but mostly for rear engine ones. The uh, the old lead sled needs, uh, needs a facelift, so. <laughs> that's that's what I drive. I got a '97 Yukon. I'm I'm thinking nice. about doing some some upgrades to it. So well, nowadays the LS series motors are plug and play. So if it's going to need a motor, the LS series motors are are. I mean, it's literally you buy a kit now. They have self learning computers, or you you can get the computer already burned for the motor, so it'll run just fine. Yeah. And then they have self learning computers, so it will tune the final bit of your fuel injection for whatever area you're in the most. Okay. Uh, obviously higher elevation needs a little different, lower elevation a little different, but it'll, it'll tune itself. And it's insane how these things you could have built in rev limiters, you know, change the fuel processes, everything in these motors now. Yeah. That's interesting. Just, you literally buy a kit, you know, and you can, even from Chevy, you can buy motors from Chevy with a warranty and it's, you know, <laughs> 600 horsepower from warranty and Chevy will warranty it. Nice. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh-huh. Hey, you can't beat that. I think my no. engine's good right now. I haven't had really any any problems with the engine. Um, it's got about three hundred twenty thousand miles on it. I mean, there's probably some things that could be um, 
you know, tightened up a little bit, but yeah. Until it, until it dies, keep running. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to run it till the wheels fall off. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, with that kind of background, you know, um, I think that was part of our conversation that we had in Vegas during that episode. And if you leadheads want to go back to that episode, um, it is episode 336. Um, we did that. It was released February 17th, 2020, but we did it during the uh, SHOT Show. It was That happened in January. Um, but we were kind of just talking about the state of the AK industry, you know, where the where the AK, you know, how it kind of evolved into the United States and how it's grown and become more and more popular uh, to where it is today to to kind of what we were seeing it in the future, you know, kind of. Yeah. And, you know, the future is here, I believe, because uh, looking at all the, you know, the things that you're able to do with the AK now that, you know, you couldn't do five, you know, yeah. six years ago. Even. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um the the advances that that and it's due to people wanting it you know demand it's due to demand yeah. so yeah, I mean, even like combo blocks when this all first came out you had either run a bulgarian or russian combo block or if you lucked out you could get one of the rifle dynamics ones that was it that was the only choice you had or I mean, you could get the romanian one too but that was pretty much it now you've got uh you got you know rifle dynamics you got jmac customs definitive arms uh marinian defense you know, you got a lot of choices now, which makes it nice because you, you know, you can, you know, really tune, make the gun what you want. Yeah. You, know, you like the little one, put it on there. You want the adjustability for your gas system? There you go. You got choices there. And you want something more futuristic? Wow, there you go. You got something there. So I mean, there's all, so many more choices. You know, that's really nice to have all these choices nowadays. You know, yeah. Back like I said, in the beginning, you only had one. Variety. <laughs> Actually, on. Yeah. yeah. Variety is the spice of life, baby. Yep. Definitely. Um, Brian, do you have any questions that you want to ask John? I got a boatload here, um, but... Uh, we'll get to the listener questions in just a minute. Yeah, no, I I think um, that's... Given that I personally have known John for so many years now, he kind of he's taught me a lot and was one of the first people that I really interacted with in the industry, so... Um, that's another stuff. thing that kind of during that interview that we did at shot show was that, you know, everybody, uh, in the AK kind of world seems like everybody knows everybody or they've worked with them or they studied under, you know, somebody. And, uh, it's, it just seems to be like a real tight knit, uh, community just within the AK itself. And, and even though you've got the competition out there for the most part, you know, it seems like everybody, uh, really, I guess, appreciates and uh, respects the other people that are in the industry. Um, as far yeah, as we all kind of do, you know, everyone kind of a little bit specializes in certain things. So it's, it's makes it a lot nicer because there's guys who do specialize one thing and guys specialize another, and it makes it nice because a we do most of us get along just fine with each other. We everyone's kind of amazed that we'd get together and we'd be talking. You know, we were talking. If we were like blown away by this, like, why would we hate each other? There's no reason to hate each other. There's so much work out there for us all to do that we don't, I don't want to do everybody's stuff. I can't, it's impossible. There's so much out there. I'd rather, you know, let, you know, somebody who wants something specialized that I don't do go to the guy who does, you know, that way you're really happy with your end product. You know, there's, there's some stuff I just don't. And I would guess, I would guess that the, you know, competition, 
between the companies would be sourcing the parts uh, yeah. because there's only there's only a finite um, resources for that, and you know with yeah. all the restrictions and you know the the laws and everything that that get changed and imposed on uh, importation, uh, it really hurts the American companies that are that are doing the AK forty seven. But again, that leads to the innovation, you know. Uh, yeah, of, of, of us making our own parts, you know, Brian at Occam Prime example of that. You know, it's like if you know, I really need this part, I can't get it. Well, you know, put the American ingenuity into it and build build your own parts. So yeah. you know, eventually, I think we're going to see more and more companies to where we're not even relying on the the foreign companies anymore for the parts. We can get them all sourced here in the United States. Yeah, which blows my mind because I know of two companies for sure that have built the holy trinity of parts in the united states and you know they're not the usual one that we all know of and it's just it kind of baffles me that they haven't come to market with them it's like there's now is the perfect time to do it now is perfect here you go we've got these parts how many do you want i mean they would sell i mean right sure brian's got the same problem getting parts you know when you order parts uh i need 50 well we got four (laughs) Okay, well, I'll take four then. You know, like, like we were talking earlier about the ALGs, we have a nonstop back order. We just keep every time a load comes in, we'd say, send us another 50 and we'll get 20. You know, give us another 50, here's 40. You know, we never get our full load of anything, whether it be triggers, barrels, any of those parts. We just don't get it. They just don't have it to ship. Yeah. And I guess, I guess that's in, due in part to the parts that they need to make the parts. Some of those parts are probably imported as well. Yeah, um, I'm sure you know this. You know, our Corona nightmare that's been going on this past year—it's affected. Everyone's got to remember it's worldwide, so it's affected. You know, the stuff that's made in Poland or you know Romania or whatever—they're—we're now getting the title that was then. You know, stuff that would have not affected us in 2020. Well, now it's—they haven't worked in 2020, so now the stuff's not here for 2021. Yeah, so we're getting the the residual effects of that. Yeah, starting to feel that. Quite a bit, and then of course the new administration that's in, and the uh, you know the threats of gun bans, and you know yeah. all this. The evil yeah. assault gun. Give you give you an idea, like you know, in terms of going out, you know, to make all these parts, we have to buy them and then sell them, and the the float that that you need between the buying and the selling. Like when you, when you have a part made by a company or even if I buy, make the part myself, I'm out, you know, typically like, Oh, you know, the, just the billet for a, uh, for one of our folding stocks is about $17. And, um, so if I'm going to make, um, a hundred, you know, a hundred folding stocks, I got to, I've got to pay $1,700 just in the stock. And then I don't get to use that money. I don't get that money back out till the last stock is sold. And that could be, you know, right now that's about a five to six week cycle between when I start cutting metal and then pretty much when we get them up on the website, they sell. But, you know, things have to go to anodizing. It takes a week to get there, a week at the shop, a week to come back. So it all just stacks up. And, um, you know, most companies, including my own, have to rely on commercial lenders for for that capital. 
that float yeah. gets to be very, very large very quickly. Even for a small company like mine, it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you need to for carrying all the inventory for all the parts. And commercial lenders want to invest money in the gun industry about as much as Epstein Island Part Two, and um, for all kinds of reasons, you know the yeah. the legislative risk is bananas, um, the shareholder pressure and you know woke pressure is huge, and so when you people wonder why stuff costs a lot in the AK industry and why you can't ever get it, and it's that's a very large part of the problem is access to capital. We're chronically undercapitalized in this industry. Even the big dogs, you know, I can't speak for PSA, but um, I know that that Century, you can't, when they sell a gun for $700, their margins have to be just razor thin. And so a lot of that, a lot of that 700 bucks is, they, they got to borrow from somebody. And uh, so it's tricky. I noticed we, we have the big problems, like, we were having different parts made by machine shops. We were very careful not to mention it's for a gun. We'll say, well, what is this? Well, they always ask, what is this part for? Uh, it's a part. It's, it's a widget. Well, what is it? It's a widget. doesn't matter what it is. It's none of your business. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you say gun, they drop right there. We don't, we don't yep. do gun parts. And it can be yep. some nothing critical at all. A, a, you know, fright, the front sight, you know, the post with threaded with a little post on top. Not going to kill anybody. It's not going to do anything. You need those? Oh, we don't make those. We don't, we're not going to make those. So the, we don't make gun parts. No way. Uh-uh. And you're like, it's not. It's nothing that's going to do any damage. <laughs> but they just won't, automatically won't touch it because it's gun part. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so I want to get into some of our listener questions. Um, but before we do that, I've got a couple of my own. So what's what's some of the, the craziest requests that you've gotten from a customer to do to their a customization to do to their, their AK or their RPD or whatever. Number one, can you make my gun a machine gun? <laughs> At least once a day, I get that one. <clears throat> and you're I like, said, I oh, can, but uh, I, I'm not yeah, I going said, to. Well, I also tell everyone the same thing. I ask them, are you an SOT? And they say, what is that? Okay, well, that ends our conversation right there. <laughs> uh, I said, well... Here's the thing. I don't want to do 10 years in club fed. So, and, and you I don't either. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry. No, I won't do it. Or if I do it, it's going to become my gun and you're never going to see it again. So <laughs> that is, that is one of the one, the biggest ones we get is, can you make my gun a machine gun or how much? It's like, Nope, sorry. We just can't do that. You do it like the tax stamp and say, yeah, send me your gun and then apply for your SOT. If you don't get it, you don't get your gun back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this thing again. <laughs> yeah, that that's. I mean, I can see people doing that um, to a certain extent, but as far as like customization goes and like uh, cosmetic type stuff, what's what's maybe some of the craziest requests you've uh, had? We'll get a, some people who want to change calibers. That's that's usually a kind of a crazy one uh, when they've got a certain you know oh, it's a seven six two. Can you make it a five four five? Yeah, but it's a lot of work. Uh, some of the more timid things we get a lot of, you know, we do a lot of front end conversions where we'll cut the barrel length down, pin uh, the muzzle device on, and put one of the gas block commas on there. You get a lot of those. And some people do and do not know what they want. And you try to tell them, hey, man, when I pin this on here, this suppressor mount is for kind of forever. So, you know, kind of try a couple of suppressors out before you 
pin the sucker on there or talk to your buddies or look it up and see what you like before I do this on here. Because once I put it on here, it's kind of a pain in the ass to get off. Yeah. Not easy. What's and we've had a lot of kit builds where people want us to build, you know, a, a particular kit, you know, parts kit they've found somewhere. Mm-hmm. Some are really exotic. You know, we're like, wow, that's crazy. And some are, you know, are kind of normal-ish. You know, I got a Romanian uh, MD-63. Can you build it? But I want it to be Battlefield Pickup. Well, okay, what is Battlefield Pickup to you? I mean, <laughs> does you want it well lo- – I was asked, do you want it well-loved? Yes, okay, no problem. Or do you want it to look like it's been in the bottom of, of a lake somewhere? That's You know, there's that one too. But, <laughs> uh, you know, those are the ones we get a lot of Or you know, can you build my gun? Uh, you know, how much and what will it look like? So – that's why we try to have so much up on you know, our Instagram and Facebook, just so people get an idea of what stuff looks like. Yeah. You, you may have an idea in your mind, I want to do this. Okay, well, look at it and see if that's really what you want it to look like. Now, when people send you parts kits, um, I'm sure you get all kinds of uh, completeness, you know, percentage yeah. of completeness of those parts kits. Uh, what do you do... Uh, and how do you address it with the the customer? They send you one, and you know it's it's like fifty percent complete. Uh, we do get a lot of those. We'll get in. You know, ah, I've got the parts kit. They bought a let's say a Romanian MD sixty three kit. That's all they bought though. They don't have the nine twenty two hour compliant parts, which you got to have those six pieces. They don't have a barrel, don't have a receiver, and not really sure on what finish they want. So what we'll do is we'll get their parts kit in, check the usual things for problems. You know, is the gas block still good? Uh, is the you know the front sight okay? Trigger guard still there? The general pieces are the that we're going to work with and keep going. Are they good parts? We'll take the uh, the bolt, the front trunnion, and the bolt carrier part, clean them real good, and magnaflux them, check them for cracks because you know be, dealing with old machine guns sometimes things happen. Uh, we'll do that first, check everything out, and then call the customer and go, okay, here's your options. We can do this, 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 or we can do this, this, this. And then see what kind of what they want. Mm-hmm. They can get a feel for them because we get some people who are like, I, I just want an AK. Okay, well, it's kind of general, man. It's like saying I want a car. You know, there's there <laughs> what tires you want on there? What we, you know, what paint job? And, and then they start, you know, they oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of lead them and kind of you know, direct people. Also, you kind of get a feel for what they like. You know, when you start talking, well, what are you going to do with this gun? Is this going to be a wall trophy? Okay, well then let's build as a wall trophy. Super pretty, you know, heavy, you know, woodwork, making it look as it would brand new. Okay, no, I want this to be a running gun. I'm going to make this my gun. I'm going to shoot all the time. Okay, well there's different selection of parts we're going to choose for that. Obviously, you're not going to if the wood has a couple of little dings in it, you're not going to freak out because you're going to ding it more actually using the gun. Uh, you know, and then you get the guy who goes, I, I, I'm going to beat the hell out of this thing. I, uh, don't even paint anything. Leave it as conditioned as the parts get came. Every, you know what parts are in the white or in the white. What parts are original finish? Leave it like that. I like that look. All right, whatever, whatever you want to do. We want we want you to be happy with your gun. So sure. we'll try whatever you want. <laughs> Very cool. Um, how many parts kits are you? Would you say you're getting on average per year uh, from from people? <sighs> it kind of matters on what's what's come in. So uh, last year was a little bit of a drop just because there wasn't a whole lot of parts kits available mm-hmm. uh, that have uh, came in. Um, this year, we've seen a fairly large upswing. I think because of our current administration, people are like, oh, I've been sitting on that. I better build that thing so I have it. Yeah. Uh, I think so we're we seeing have- a lot of that, too, where people have, you know, maybe years ago, they bought a part kit or some parts kits, 
And due to the administration now, they're like, oh, I better go ahead yeah. and, and get these things built before it's too late kind of thing. Are you seeing an influx from that maybe? Yeah, I, I kind of think that's what it is. They're sitting on them because we've had, we've had a gentleman who sent us quite a few in the past about two months-ish now that he has original barreled kits, and they were very early, probably late 90s, maybe early 2000 kits. I mean, the barrels are in immaculate condition. The parts are like, they look like they took a new gun and cut it up. Uh, so it's like you see stuff like that, and it's amazing. You know, it's it's kind of cool to see that stuff because you're like, wow, you know, where was this thing sitting for all this time? It's yeah. beautiful. And, you know, you kind of get bummed out. You're like, man, I wish I could have something like this. This is neat. <laughs> and then you get something that, like they've been they've, they've been sitting there in their backyard for the last six months and, you know, covered in mud and gut. You're like, oh, God, wow, this thing's gnarly. <laughs> yeah. That kind of ties into my next question. Uh, I was going to say, what's the most unique or maybe the most rare um, gun or kit that somebody has sent and you were just like, you know, this is the golden, you know, the holy grail kind of thing. Have you received anything like that ever? Uh, The PP-19s, those were were definitely different. Uh, Those are the, you know, those and the, uh, that was a Bison. Uh, that was the one that has the cylindrical mag that goes underneath. Uh, Nineteen, uh, sorry, nine by eighteen. Oh, sweet! Uh, little submachine gun, um, yeah. and then also the Pitius. We got a couple of those to build, and right now the most popular one we get a lot of that's really cool to work on are the AK-12s. We do get a fair number of those still in, and they're they're kind of cool because you get to see the evolution that you know Russia has gone to make the gun work more for them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's literally, you know, people look at it weird and look at it, they're like, that's kind of weird, but it's a, it's a pretty good platform. It's yeah. got a cool little gun. So the AK-12 uh, is the Russian 545 by 3.9. Um, yep. It's Kalashnikov. And it says the fifth generation of Kalashnikov rifles. Yeah. They're a little different. I mean, they're, they have a, you know, they, they're a, AK-74 with upgrades. You know, so the basic AK-74 is there, the same length barrel, same training, same bolt, all that jazz. But they've they've changed the furniture. They've changed the brake. The brake actually technically – the barrel actually sticks into the brake a little bit. Mm. Kind of a weird setup. The barrel actually sticks into the brake. It really does – it is one of the best brakes I've shot of a factory-style brake. Uh, it does. It does. It does its work. It mm-hmm. does. It controls flash, controls recoil. Very manageable setup. And then the stock, they've put a fold, you know, a folder stock on it, 5.5 folding stock, uh, a more what I'd call AR-ish style stock on it. Mm-hmm. So you get a little bit, you know, it's adjustable. You get a little bit better cheek weld. And then they also have a more of a peep sight on them. They have like, the back end's a peep sight, so mm. that's always that's good. So these were uh, released in 2011. Mm-hmm. So about ten years ago. Yeah. And you you're seeing some of those come in. Oh yeah, we got one actually sitting over there. Oh, do do tell. Can you pull it off yeah, the wall? I'll grab one. Hold on. Since we're recording video, let's see it. <laughs> so Brian, have you ever dealt with an AK-12? Um, let's see. Am I off mute? I am off mute. Um, no, I have seen one. And, um, by the time, you know, I'm, I'm in a little bit of a bubble right now where, uh, 
you know, I don't touch a whole lot of guns that I don't make. And, mm -hmm. you know, by this time we do a thing that's very specific and it's not that I'm not trying to learn about other designs, but, you know, my interest in other, in other designs out there has, has waned, um, you know, cause obviously if I, if I thought we weren't doing it right, I'd be doing something different. Yeah. Um, sure. with the AK 12, it's in a, a direction that I don't personally find interesting, but that doesn't mean it's not great. I don't have any personal experience with, uh, the AK 12. Now they make a variant of that, the AK 15, which is the seven, six, two, but three, nine. It's funny how Russia appears to be going back to seven, six, two, 39 for particular tasks. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, Turning cover into concealment is one thing that the 7.62.39 round does pretty well. The 74 does not. You know, the, the, yeah, the penetrating capability of, of the 5.45 round is limited for yeah. sure. They also make um, a... Awesome. Wickedly nasty if was, it actually... Do you get the picture you know, of it? Let me go back to my... All right, show me, show me. <laughs> gun porn, baby, gun porn. Here we go. Oh, nice. Uh, AK-12. This is the break that they have. It is, let me pop it off real quick. It is a little bit different. Like I said, it sits a little recessed uh, with it in the barrel. And come back on me here. Now, for you listeners uh, who are listening on uh, one of the podcasts, you can go to our YouTube channel. We've got this on video, and you can you can watch. Yeah, so the, the break actually slips over here, and quarter rotates and locks in place oh nice so then they have a combo block this is not an adjuster everyone goes oh it's adjustable gas block that's not what this is the gas tube on these are actually welded if you can see it right here they're actually welded to the front trunnions so you can't take the gas tube off of this gun so this is actually so that you can clean the gas tube out push a little detent here turn it pulls off you can actually clean out your gas tube okay Nice. Like I said, they do have the peep sight right here. Catch it real good in there, but yeah, let's turn it that way. Peep sight. All right. Yeah. Just whacking myself in the face here. So they do have a peep sight on them. Nice. Uh, it is very similar to the RPK, so it does have adjustability for windage. Standard front end on them. Point, yeah, point. Out, yeah, point you can look, go ahead. It has a uh, standard front sight on it. Uh, like I said, they do have a folding rear trunnion. Does fold. Oops, sorry, this, sorry, this is a California model, so it doesn't actually fold. But ah. um, you do have a regular folder, and it does have an adjustable style stock that'll slide in and out. So they they do have some definite upgrades. It does have a, I think, a way better cheek weld to them than the you know regular setup. It mm -hmm. does make a nice sight. Uh, but they, there's you know the, the pistol grip. I'm not a big fan of. It kind of looks a little. I think they went a little cheesy on it, but eh, whatever. It's a cool rifle. Very is that cool, like I said? It's very, Light recoiling. And that pistol grip, is it is it just a standard AK grip where you can change it out with a... Yeah, you can totally change this out if you want to. It just has, they have little two little detents right here. And you push these little suckers in, and it pops out. Whoops. Tries to pop out. I've done this before, I swear. Um, <laughs> so Under pressure. Out. Yeah, and it has a oil bottle, which right here pulls off. So this would be your oil bottle. Okay. And then a little area here and an area here so i've heard batteries or these something? where you put your patches okay or your cleaning cleaning patches the cleaning kit on these is actually in the stock on these 
If you pull this little lever right here down. A little lever on the buttstock, okay. Slides. Sliding up with the butt the pad. Kit is right there. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So they got a little bit different cleaning kit inside of them. It actually fits in the stock of these. That's cool. Kind of like, similar to the, the, the Chinese guns did it. Yeah, very John, cool. John, I've been informed that you're incorrect about the patch storage location in the grip. Uh-huh. That's where you keep your two spare cigarettes for <laughs> if it's your last stand. Just saying. <laughs> I know enough Russians. I feel very yeah. confident knowing the number of Russians I do that cigarettes go in there very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> cigarettes That's and lighters. Higher priority. <laughs> Absolutely. They'll yeah. need that before they'll need to clean it, you know? Yeah. yeah. They'll, they'll need to smoke long before they'll ever need to clean their AK. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's cool. Uh, while you were going to get that, I was just saying that they've made other variants of that. Um, the AK, uh, what I say it was? AK-15 was the next, I think, after yeah. this AK-12. And then they got an AK-19, which is a 5.56 version. Yeah. From what I've heard, you know, it's all, you know, the rumor mill is, is there the reason why they're go everyone's like, well, why'd they go to a 5.56? I'm like, well, think of what is now the most prolific round out there. Yeah. You know, the largest arms dealer in the world happens to uh, carry an American flag. <laughs> so we produced a <laughs> lot of ammo. There's a lot of ammo out there and a lot of guns that shoot 5.56. Five, you know, it's easier to get ammo if you're on the combat field. That's right. Take your enemy's uh, ammo. Use your enemy's yeah. ammo. Definitely. Very cool, man. I, I appreciate you showing me that. I haven't uh, really, like Brian, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to those, the newer version to those. So, um how do you get those? I'm not exactly sure how people are getting the kits in because technically this is a, was a Russian kit. So I'm not exactly sure how they're getting them here. There somebody's figured out how to get them here though. Okay. There's, import, you know, I don't know who's important, them, but there's, we've gotten quite a few of them sent to us to build up. Nice. A lot of them are missing or have a severely damaged front trunnion. So they've been demilled in uh, the Russian terms. They'll basically blow out, they'll go in and bore out the uh, left-hand locking area of the front trunnion. Uh, they remove the bolts are all missing, and then the barrels have multiple holes drilled in them and usually a piece of metal jammed down them and stuffed into them really bad. Oh, Build wow. octagon pieces beat down the barrel. So I think that's <laughs> their way of demilling them over there. I got you. Got you. Well, very cool. I think that's a good lead-in. Let's get to uh, some of our our listener questions. And the way the way we do it here on the show, Leadheads, uh, and for you new people, is we have giveaways. Uh, we've got some giveaways from Seal One, Seal One.net. They've got a nice uh, cleaning package here for their uh, CLP product. Uh, it's a great product, especially for. Uh, the AK because it it helps prevent corrosion, uh, but it definitely will clean your your gun uh, beyond belief. Seal1.net. We're going to give away one of these to one of you listeners. We're going to give away, like I said earlier or last episode, we're going to give away another ALG uh, AK trigger. One of you lucky lead heads, uh, and we're going to give away a dump tray from Mission First Tactical. Uh, these these work great for uh, smithing also. So when you're taking your your guns apart and parts and pieces go in there, great. I've been using mine quite a bit for for my pieces, especially when I clean it or if I'm uh, working on them. 
doing some smithing. All those pesky little springs and things. <laughs> right, yeah. Really holds I up. Find to be really good on the milling machine, actually. I'll, I'll put my measurement tools that can't get wet in the small side, and then all of the bigger gauges and wrenches and that kind of thing on the other side stone you know a, a polishing stone that kind of thing and that whole thing just comes into the mill with me and i really like them yeah the mission first does a really good job on these and the the ink is injected into the uh, the material the kydex there so it's not going to scratch off or come off or anything very resilient so one of you lead heads is going to get one of those also I gave mine a, a solvent test today, and I was a little curious to see whether it would live, but it was all gunked up, and I was cleaning up over there. And normally, our, our coolant is pretty good at dissolving plastic, and it didn't do that at all. Oh, and nice. uh, and then I hosed it down with deionized, or sorry, not DI, uh, um, denatured alcohol pretty heavily, and that normally gets rid of all kinds of pigments and inks and nothing. So, yeah, can confirm the ink is really in there. Very cool. So there you go. So they're dump trays, which uh, in the past we've been using them for EDC type stuff, just dumping our pockets and throwing our stuff, you know, on our our counters. But uh, we found another use for them uh, for for us smithers out there, gunsmithers. Great for holding our parts and and whatnot. So there you go. One of you le lucky leadheads is going to get one of that also. And the way you win these is you participate. Uh, when we uh, say post questions, uh, post questions. So uh, we're going to do that right now. So one of you lucky, three of you lucky leadheads are going to win some prizes this episode. Uh, and I think John might be giving away a, a M13 t-shirt also. There we are. There you go. So four of you lucky leadheads this, uh, this episode. Uh, but you got to be engaging. You got to participate. And Instagram, Facebook, you can shoot me emails, talkingletgmail.com. That's how we pick our winners. So let's start with uh, Instagram, Brian, and just kind of peruse yes. through there. I think you've been eyeballing it. Um, pick out a couple of yeah. good questions. I just messaged you guys a, a uh, Google Doc with all of the questions pasted in it. And up at the top here is one from Hennessy Arms asking if they can borrow our bolt lapping machine so they don't have to on, do it by hand on their current build. And that's absolutely <laughs> a thing we can do as a custom service. So Hennessy Arms, get in touch with this. Um, yeah, we can do that. Um, second question, what rivet tools would you recommend when working on AKs? Are Toth tools good? John, what, what are your favorite non... My suspicion is you built a lot of your own tooling, but of the... Forbus and um, Requiem and Toth, you know, offerings out there and AK Builder offerings. What, what are your favorite things for, let's say, the front trunnion to start with? If I was to start off and I wasn't going to do heavy production, I personally would have bought the AK Builder tools. I think that that has worked. I bought those when I first started, and they've worked really well. Uh, we still use uh, one of the AK Builder uh, rib smashers for kind of our custom stuff when it's not doing a, one of our, you know, again, we do a lot of, uh, we use those and we've had really good luck with them. Uh, yep. you know, they're, they're a good quality made part you can build. I mean, if you're not, like I said, you're not doing production or something like that, not doing it for a living, it'll hold up just fine. Yep. You know, it'll be it'll work fine. Yep. Uh, and then on trigger guard, what's your favorite tool for riveting the trigger guard? Ditto. Well, I've only had one we made, so I don't okay. know. 
Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard that the AK Builder one works real good. And also there's a, I guess a guy on one of the AK files that made one that's supposed to work real good. But unfortunately I made mine way back when, cause there wasn't anything else available. Sure. This was um, a, a related question. It says I received a, a virgin trigger guard with my parts kits. How would I drill the hole for the mag catch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Technically, no easy way of doing it. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, it's a lot of trial and error. <laughs> yeah, you, you want to do it first, if that makes it. Don't wait till the gun's all the way together to figure out where you're going to put that hole. Um, we made a fixture for it, and um, what I would recommend is buying the one that's available in stock right now on Arms of America and forgetting about it because the that whole location is incredibly precise in where it needs to be. There's only there's less than 20 thousandths of wiggle room in where you put that hole. And so, yeah, I would, I would just buy one for 30 bucks and not learn how to do that because you need the commie print to even know what the right answer is. I know that, uh, some folks will cut an old trigger guard, um, apart and then they use that part of the trigger guard as the template for where they center punch their whole location. Um, but it's, yeah, that's a nasty question. Or nasty problem. Good question. <laughs> nasty problem. Uh, let's see. We've got lots of questions here. Uh, There's, uh, tips and tricks oh, on trigger swaps to make them go smoother. Yeah, a, a, a parallel question, which is one that John and I can answer definitively, is any suggestion, this is from EKR. 8630. Any suggestions on dealing with a sticky bolt carrier and ALG trigger? And this is something that we see on about 30% of production guns. I suspect John sees it as well a fair amount. Yeah. yeah. They have to check first off if it's actually hitting the trigger itself, the little hook that comes up and grabs the yep. hammer. I've had bolt carriers slam right into that sucker and jam up. So he needs to check that place, and they'll also get hung up, like Brian knows, they'll get hung up on the hammer when you charge them all the way back. They'll get caught between the bolt and bolt carrier, and that little valley there, get caught up in there and won't ride over. Yep, yep. And so we, on that trigger hook, um, it looks like kind of a, a bird, kind of like a bird head or a shark fin sticking up. You know, a bird head if it's like a... a, a, a a woodpecker and what we do is we roll the back of that point into kind of a pigeon head so we roll you take that point that's sticking up and put a really good radius on it like we're taking away gosh it's got to be you know a two and a half millimeter radius or something by the time we're done um and if you look carefully down the action you'll see where it hits and if you bevel it on the inside, the side that faces the bolt carrier as well, um, that that is the recipe we use to get around that. So, yeah, in terms of general and the other thing I'd say on that is people really need to mind, you know, there's it's a maximum of eight thousandths of an inch between there's a stupid roll pin that they put in the kit that you have to press into the trigger and you really want to make sure that roll pin is bottomed out 
um, because if it travels after you've been shooting the gun a little bit, it'll decrease your safety margin pretty pretty markedly. And so you need a a piece of seven thousandth shim to make or eight thousandths if you want to play on the edge um, that you that you slide between this post and the safety to make sure that it's adequately tight. You basically want, I'd be curious on John's thoughts or this, but the way we do it is that we leave it touching when we file it into, into spec. It's very slightly sticky when it leaves our shop because everything is softer than that roll pin and the roll pin machines in into the safety so that you get a perfect, you know, one thou, two thou, slip fit there by the time it's been actuated 50 times or something john how do you attack that that safety tuning issue you got like you said you got to make sure that roll pins all the way down because we get a lot of people who that they build it and put that roll pin in there and they just tap it down just a little bit and then file it down saw it down whatever and like you said you know a couple times you squeeze harder than that trigger you just push that roll pin down into the trigger and now it'll fire unsafe which is not a good day uh, so Not we'll, do, we'll knock it all the way down in there. And then we have basically kind of the same thing, a shim that will slide in there and make, as long as that will clear just right when we go on safe, we consider it good to go. If it doesn't yep. either, I mean, what's nice is ALGs come with two of those little guys. So if you <laughs> get a little too far, you could always change it out and put a, another one back in there because, you know, or if you don't, you don't get it right, you can fix yourself. You're not, you're not screwing up. So, it's best to make yep. that, like Brian says, make that thing as tight as you can because they do wear in. That's it. Metals do deform. That question came yep. to us from uh, our buddy Aura at Plenalp. Remember him, Brian? Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. He's a customer of mine. We actually just shipped him a gun today. Oh, so nice. thank you for your business. He goes by yeah. Sack Archer on Instagram. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for that question. Here's a good one right here. This is from DMAC0159, David McDonald. It says, John and Brian, have either of you seen a Bulgarian AK-74 side optic rail or any side rail that was out of spec? I have one that I can't get the RS Regulate mount onto. Absolutely. there. I know for sure there is an out-of-spec rail that's out there. We've run into it. Uh, we pull one actually onto a customer's gun. You got the Argus Regulate on there. You can tighten as much as you want, and it just slides right off. It is unfortunately there are some crap out there. <laughs> now, one thing that he could use to maybe limp along there is to get a tape, and the tape that I would use is called the trade name for it is Capton. Um, it's a Dupont product. Uh, it also goes by um, polyimid or polyamid tape. You can find it on eBay cheap. Um, its compressibility is exceedingly low. It's very hard tape. And um, it comes in one mil, three mil, five mil, and that's thousandths of an inch thicknesses. I'd find some of the thicker stuff, like um, three to five mil, and very carefully put a couple layers of that on both sides of the dovetail. And... Um, smooth it down so there's no air pockets and my suspicion is that you'll be able to build up enough thickness there um to and this for the listener I, john you know he john has all kinds of ways of making things work but but for a um for an end user either a piece of metal shim you know like some some flashing or some metal tape i'd 
minimize the amount of adhesive um, and just shim that thing in. And I know that sounds hokey, but my suspicion is that it'll hold zero pretty well. John? Uh, we, I unfortunately, I changed it out because we, we had a problem with that. And we just changed it out with another, actually a uh, Romanian one. And it fit. We checked it beforehand and it fit a lot better because that thing was, it was just, too, it was way out of spec. We were actually going to try kind of same thing, actual feeler gauge material. You sure? Yep. That is a yep. spacer. And it just, when we started, get, when we're at 13 thousandths, we're like, okay, that's too much. <laughs> the sucker's too no, far away. Absolutely. And when you, you know, in your shop, having the ability to, you know, my suspicion is it took you less than an hour of shop time to replace that, that rail once you had decided to do it. Yeah. 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 So next um, question. Is, next question oh, comes from, sorry. are you done? You done answering it? I uh, just wanted to give a quick plug that John's yeah. prices are really reasonable. I think you should charge more. <laughs> well, here's a plug for both of you. Casey Loftus says, not a question, just a thanks. My first experience with Occam Defense Solutions was ordering an uh, RST and having M13 Industries install it on my Draco. I look forward to this uh, this show, Casey. There you go. Casey's whacked a bunch of deer with that that RST. Yeah, deer. rub it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unlike other Tennesseans are on the show right now. Right. Yeah. It's turkey season <laughs> right now, though. There you go. Take some shotguns out. Um... Here was an interesting question here for John. It had to do with six five Grindle. <laughs> Where did it go? While you're looking at is. that one, I'm gonna loop around yeah. and clean up on a couple here. People are wondering about Toth tools um, and whether they're any good. Um, I haven't personally used them, um, but another person is asking about bolt cutter rivet setters, and um, it's kind of the same thing. Um, I know people that build fine AKs who use bolt cutters. Um, the, and I know a bunch of people that don't, and, uh, I'll quote Jim Fuller as to why he doesn't in that the squish is coming in at an angle and the angle of squishing is changing and that he didn't like that. And I happen not to be a giant fan of it either. We use another method. Um, but the AK builder, you know, to, to put a button in it, I think John and I both think highly of the AK Builder set for getting started. When the angle of your dangle is squishy against your wishy, then you... <laughs> you got some bad days. <laughs> some bad days. That's funny. Um, yeah, I found that one. So this was from Morgan Simpson 127. It says, I have seen some of the rifles M13 has made in 6.5 Grendel. I was wondering what bullet guide as well as magazine work well without work well with the cartridge for reliability without base uh, basing the build off of a Sega 6.5 rifle already built. I love the idea of updating the ballistics of the AK with a more modern bullet design. I haven't done one in 6.5. We've done some in 6.8. 6.8. Uh, in 6.8. So it's very similar to a 5.56 five, style. Uh, setup. I mean, you could, yeah, you just have to slightly modify a 556 uh, bullet guide and it'll go right in there just fine. Uh, mags, obviously, they make 6.8 mags, so there's no issues there. Um, but it was, it was not that hard. The barrel, you're going to have to make your own barrel. Nobody makes a AK, you know, 6.8 barrel. They just don't exist. 
Uh, so you're going to have to modify. Like what we do is we modify an AR barrel because uh, luckily an AR barrel, area, eh, AR barrel is quite a bit larger in the training area. So you have plenty of room to turn it down to match yourself. So in the, the 6.5, though, I mean, you fully could do it. You would, man, you the mag would be an issue. You're going to have to do a little futzing to get it to sit far enough back. Um, the bullet guide, I don't think would be an issue. Uh, if you ran, I, I think a 7.62 bullet guide would actually work best. You probably have to do a little bit of polishing on the feed ramp a little bit. I think it'd be just fine. Cool. Uh, Brett, no, not Brett. Let's see. It was uh, Kenneth H. McGee says, besides a hammer and shovel, what are the best spare parts to keep around for repairs on AKs? It's a common question. Well, for what we carry in our range bag, which I'm sure Brian has a, a, a thing with him, we carry a spare firing pin. Uh, obviously, we carry quite a few different versions of it, but a spare firing pin for your gun, uh, recoil spring, hammer spring, disconnector spring. Uh, if you have an ALG and you're running the little secondary spring, one of those. Um, and that's really about it. I mean, you know, if, if you're beating the gun that bad that you're breaking major parts, then you got an issues. All that stuff will be a quick fixer-upper Oh, I, uh, this broke and I need to shoot it real quick. Uh, the, you can get uh, spare extractors and expect extractor springs wouldn't be a really bad thing to have. Those do usually kind of give a little bit of warning. They're going bad before they, you know, completely take a dive. Uh, but if you're, you're not hundred percent sure, definitely throw one in your range bag. Wouldn't be, you know, the couple ounces and the couple dollars well worth the hassle, not having to drive all the way back home to get it. Brian? And my my answer on that would be a second AK, um, just because of the same reasons that John mentions that that um, there's very little in the way of major things that goes wrong on an AK. It's much more likely that something you've put on the gun is going to come unlocked-tighted. So I may answer the question slightly differently, actually, in that to to the degree that you've put things with screws onto the AK all of that stuff is far more likely to go south on you um, than, than the core of functioning of the gun itself. That said, um, John has far more experience on what breaks on an AK because of all of the full auto experience that he has with being in a unique geographical region. He gets to see, you know, that's, that's far and away a heavier uh, wear load on an AK than what I typically see on our side. Good answers, good answers. Lots of questions. You guys really lit it up this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of good ones, too. Here's one from Tandem Dooley. It says, please explain why the use of a press over one of the bolt cutter rivet setters is a better option. That's that that squishy angle that- squish question. That Yeah, yeah. And, and there's there's other reasons I don't like them. You want to be tensioning the and not that you can't do this with the bolt cutter but when you rivet one of the most critical things the the first critical thing to get right is to have all of the metal surfaces in intimate contact with each other so there's no big gaps and um that the hole that the rivet sits in is ever so slightly countersunk to accommodate, and I don't mean a swell on the swell neck rivets that, that need a big countersink. I mean on the, the front rivets on the front trunnion. There's a little bit of a radius on the inside edge of a, of a rivet, and 
that wants to that radius has to go somewhere and so giving the tiny chamfer or countersink to the sheet metal there is a big deal and then most rivets are bent and um so when you if your hole is precisely five thirty seconds or four millimeter um often the rivet will kind of sit up and there will be an air gap and you kind of got to egg it out just ever so slightly to get that rivet head to sit dead flush when you get all of that right then the squish method you use isn't all that critical but some it's easier to put a little spray well normally the the receiver occasionally wants to open up like a mouth or a taco opening up a little bit away from the the trunnion, not always, it just depends. Um, but when you're in the AK Builder Press, what you can do is it stabilizes the work so that you can get at it and you can press down after you've got this little, there's a there's a finger that reaches in where the barrel goes to squish the rivet, that's called the shop tail. And um, what you wanna be doing is pressing with your off hand, the one that's not holding the, the lever for the press, you want to be pressing down very sharply and even better have both hands on the work and have somebody else start the rivet and set the rivet for you. Um, and so the, with the, with the rivet, with the toth tools, you have necessarily, you have two hands tied up with the squeeze. Plus you also have to stabilize the work and you still need to squish the sheet metal against the trunnion so that the set is good. And so those are some of the reasons that I that I really like the 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 AK builder set up there. I agree. You only got two hands, and you start getting too many things going. And that, like you said, is that you know nothing more frustrating than getting it all done. You're like, oh, I got it all crushed. You look, and there's a oh, I can see error underneath my rivet head. Perfect. I'll be drilling that out now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Drilling <laughs> rivet sucks and and it's yeah. not an easy skill unless if you have a fixture for it it's not a big deal but with the ak builder a little they make drilling jigs and none of them are all that awesome and so there's a real chance to wreck your gun yeah at, at, right at the starting line there by not getting that speaking that of the out. rivets uh, austin Wayland wants to know what river would you recommend the, the actual rivets themselves or riveter what riveter would you recommend? I guess the tool I tool guess. that yeah installs the rivets. Well, if he's like I said before, if he's not if you're not gonna do a bunch of them, then I think the AK builder stuff would be the least expensive and get you the best results from yep. what if you're just gonna do. Oh, I'm gonna build five kits a year. You'll have great results with that. You know they, they'd hold together just fine, and you're not gonna be you know fighting yourself to work on the gun, which is you know a pain in the butt. Are either of you uh, familiar with the RS Regulate BM1? I am not. Okay, then we'll skip that question. Sorry, Sinister Fist. Um, or, not Aura. Orpheus Barrows, Barrows. Orpheus Barrows. Have you ever used a bullpup uh, converted AK? I've seen the kits, but have never seen a true AK bullpup. Yes, we actually had a kit that was a uh, brought-in kit that was to design to go to an AK-74 uh, side folder, and it converted to a uh, bullpup. Little different feeling, uh, very, very squishy trigger. <coughs> I mean, <laughs> very squishy. Uh -huh. uh, pull it, you kind of like, okay, then it goes off. All right, you know, 
So that that seems to be the major issue with all the bullpups I've seen is very squishy triggers. Apart from that, they shoot great. I mean, there's no real issues. They don't, you know, as long as you're a right-hand shooter. If you're a left-hand shooter, probably not your best choice. But if you're a right-hand shooter, I had, I had no problem shooting it. Just a really squishy trigger. Yeah, the linkage is kind of the downfall on, on most bullpups. Um, it's just more parts. Every single one of them must have slop just by the nature of if you have zero slop, you get binding. And so you're, that's just a, the nature of the beast until somebody figures out, you know, I've toyed with electronic actuation on that kind of stuff because that's been most of my career is designing electronics. Mm-hmm. However, the idea of sticking electronics on a gun, just I, I'm so not a fan of that idea. Yeah, not at all. Um, for, like all of the reasons. I like things that are reliable and electronics just mm-hmm. everybody knows, you know, like if it's one thing that's going to fail on on a piece of electronic equipment, it's either a connector or a cable. And yeah, you just yeah, let's keep that stuff away from life saving equipment unless we absolutely have to have it. You know, I just dirt did a, a, a trying to say go ahead. I said dirt and vibration, two things electronics hate. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And me, they don't like me either. Uh, <laughs> I just did a 1022 bullpup conversion with one of those Atlas Defense um, conversion kits. Those things are cool. Yeah, it was. It's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and like he's, I mean, even on that one, the it's still a good trigger of what he's done. The mechanism that he uses for the for the trigger connection, uh, I think is as good as it can be. But you know, there's still a little little mush there on even on that one. But I like bullpups. I would love to have a a bullpup AK forty seven. So if you get one of those kits, come across one. Let me know. I want it for sure. Uh, Edward Reagan Burton. Spe- speaking of twenty twos, because it got skipped by Joe a couple of episodes back. What is the capability or likelihood of a twenty two LR conversions or twenty two LR dedicated AKs? I know the Romanians had a trainer that was a twenty two. Uh, they they made one basically for their I guess probably because ammo was hard to get or something. They made a uh, 22 trainer AK full size looks just like one except it has a 22 barrel and bolt. Nice. So it exists. It's in existence. Yeah. It's out there. I have. I don't have a complete gun. I got the kit somewhere. I picked up through the years and was going one day build it for one of my kids. And you know because it was it looks just like a regular AK except it's 22. Very cool. I know, uh, what was it, uh, that there was a place that was selling them for a while. Uh, now, this was a while ago, so 10 years, but um, not cheaper than dirt, but one of those kind of places was selling them for a while. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, a vague days. recollection of one. I have a vague recollection of seeing one as well. I mean, obviously, the recoil spring and the bolt carrier would have to be lightened up massively to get one to work. Um, and then there's all the issues of getting a... 22 LR, you know, I would never want to try and make one from scratch. Like the problems are immense. Um, it'd be sort of easier to dress up a 1022 to look like an AK than it would be in my mind to get an AK to run 22. You know, is that your feeling, John? Yeah, there's people don't, you know, they until you get really into the heavy stuff of guns, you're like, oh, I'll just change calibers. It's not that easy. There's a lot of science into this stuff. Just going from 7.62 to 9 millimeter, you know, becoming a blowback gun. Holy Christmas, man! The 
the you know the springs and everything you got to figure out that's you could you could spend years trying to figure it out and never get it right oh yeah for life. so i yep. just googled ak-47 22lr and uh, american tactical ak-47 ria 22lr rimfire rifle with woodstock 279 dollars and 99 cents Wow, that's the cheapest way that I know of to get yourself into one. <laughs> Mossberg, <laughs> Mossberg makes one a, a Blaze forty seven twenty two LR ten round auto loading rim fire three oh seven thirty five. Sportsman's Outdoor Superstores has <laughs> got them for sale right now. See, awesome, go snag you one of those right now. Uh, I saw a question that had to do with. Um, let me get to it real quick. Sam Russell, when buying a used AK, so I know a lot of people want, you know, this is on their mind. What should we check to ensure previous owners, builders didn't fuck it up? <laughs> I can go with the, obviously if you have a set of headspace gauges, you're way ahead of the curve. Um, you know, check the rivets, look at all the rivets. Do they look uniform? Do they all look good and flat? Do they, you know, look like they've been done correctly? Uh, you know, how does, when you look down the length of the rifle, does everything look pretty much straight? AKs will have sight cans to some of the parts, but does it look pretty much straight? Um, how much rust and junk is inside of the thing? You know, is there, you know, a quarter inch of, you know, built up carbon on everything? You know, kind of, you get a lot of things, you know, hints off of that. Uh, if the gun looks beat, it probably is. And you better be getting it cheap because you may be putting some money into it. If you got headspace gauges, would make it really nice because, you know, nothing like buying a gun and, you know, first time you shoot it, it starts doing weird things with the casings and shearing them off or something. And now you got to take it to a gunsmith and have it fixed. And uh, John um, Curtis Alstrom of VSO, Robert Forbus, and I wrote a paper on proper headspace measurement of the AK um, that you can Google. If you just Google um, AK headspace measurement, then that that pdf will come up um there yeah you don't just go into you know you don't just throw the the headspace gauge in the chamber rip the you know charging handle all the way back and let fly that is not proper headspacing so um and particularly with our guns we headspace them tight they're in spec but they're tight um it there is there is a method and a procedure to doing headspace checking so if you follow it, you will get a measurement. If you don't follow it, you will not get a measurement. You will think you got a measurement, but you don't. So uh, at the risk of sounding grumpy, um, yeah, read the manual. <laughs> grumpy. Brian, did you, have any, <laughs> did you have any more on your post that you did? Any more questions? that? Uh, you... Oh, yeah, I got some good ones here. Um, uh, from either Aura, no, Sam. Sorry, or no, or Abplanap. If you snag an AK that's not one you built, what's the first thing you modify on it? Hmm. For me personally, probably the muzzle brake. I love. I'm a tinkerer. I mean, I've got. I we have a uh, a tray full of muzzle brakes we've either bought or been given or been sent to us to try out and try it on different guns because literally it's amazing a muzzle brake how much it will affect a gun. We once spent a good amount of time out in the desert for us. We could go out to the desert. Uh, and we basically had one person shooting, one person off to the side, one person directly behind the shooter. 
and we would put the brake on, shoot five rounds, and you know the person shooting, hey, that felt good. Guy to the right, yeah, that yeah, sounded good. You know, it looked like it was good control, and the guy behind could tell you just how loud it was. And some brakes we actually ran were would actually make the gun malfunction. Uh, we tried it on our mini monster because obviously being such a short gun, it's going to react very strangely to a break if it's out of whack. And yep. we had one break we put on there would constantly make the gun malfunction. Every, you know, you put five rounds in there, you're going to have at least one malfunction in that time. Uh, we had another break that was almost like you're getting kicked in the chin because it would throw the gun nose down so hard, the <laughs> butt would come and hit you in the back of the chin. Uh, and we had other ones. We had a, you know, a very simple Tapco break, I think it was. It was like a $20 break we'd bought in the past. It worked amazing. It was, it was kind of surprising. That, you yep. know, something, you know, like that would be the, so good. So yep. I, for me, I would probably change brakes. Yep. We have a fun one coming out. I should send you play with. Um, we already ship it on our production models. It's a um, suppressor ready, you know, dead air suppressor key mount deal. Um, but the brake has the baffles angled forward instead of back. And it is specifically designed for Californians and other band state customers that don't want to break, but they let through legislation have to. And we've become, I personally have become very sensitive to brake compression, maybe because I shoot so much. I don't know why, but when I get over pressure, if I'm shooting 10 guns that all have really loud brakes on them, I get kind of hung over and foggy by the end of the day. And um, so this one, instead of, yeah, it has a 10 degree forward cant on those baffles. And it's shocking how much it projects the shockwave downrange as opposed to to the side or at the shooter. Um, but, you know, a competition shooter might hate the brake because it doesn't do it's not very aggressive in terms of recoil mitigation. Um, it's, Speaking it's, of competition shooting, that was our what our last episode was about. Uh, shooting yeah. competitions with the AK-47. So we answered a lot of uh, equipment questions in, in that episode. Yeah. And the, the first thing I'd modify is a Merc, um, but I'm slightly biased. <laughs> you, put, you put a handguard on there, a Merc handguard? Yeah. I would do trigger. Yeah. Trigger's typically the the first thing that I change on any gun that I get, no matter AR, AKA, pistol. Uh, That's not wrong. Yeah. Well, usually... Pistol grip, that might be something too. I yeah. Change the pistol grip. Sure. I got big, fat hands, so... I like a bigger, meatier grip, like the U.S. Palm ones. I like those grips because I can get my hand around it. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually John that taught me about finger grooves in grips. We started out selling the 1775 with a Hogue because that that grip fits my hand awesome. And I just think they're the coolest thing ever. And I brought the prototype by John, and he's like, love everything about this gun except the grip. My fingers are too big. And I go, what? Because John and I are the same build pretty much and uh for whatever reason his fingers don't fit in those grooves and he said yeah smaller people hate them too and i smacked my forehead and i go of course and then we standardized on the tango down um u.s palm style and it's i don't we have maybe five people that have requested a grip different from that out of many hundreds of guns by now so um yeah it it a grip is a good idea and highly personal, but yeah, we love those U.S. Palm or Tango Down. How about you, John? Have you uh, perused through the questions there? Do you see anything you'd like to tackle? 
peruse post haste here. Peruse, peruse. Uh, so while you're perusing, uh, don't forget, uh, Leadhead's got some giveaways that we're getting ready to do for you that participated with the questions. Seal one. It's got their awesome cleaning kit, CLP cleaning kit. It's got the brush. Got two different delivery systems for the product. They also make an aerosol, which I really like their aerosol um, delivery system for their for their product. Dump tray, <laughs> dump tray from uh, Mission First Tactical. ALG trigger from Geisley, and John's going to give away one of their cool M13 t-shirts. So, did you find one? Uh, While John's perusing there, uh, there's a real good one here, Magwell modification. Some mags are are a better fit than others. Open them up. I've got a video out on YouTube um, where I talk about tuning mags to guns and guns to mags, and it's almost always the case that you want to tune the mag to the gun. Um some guns don't have very good magwells cut in on them, um, but generally speaking, it's my contention you want to mod the mag. Um, there's a, a fairly fine window of acceptance. It's it's tighter with 74s than 47s. Um, if you find that every mag is tight, then yeah, maybe that's a good case for doing that, but you really want to do it a little bit at a time because you can't put the metal back on. My favorite tool for tuning magwells are these $7, $7 a set. Um, they're these diamond, they're not needle files, but if you just hop on Amazon and look for diamond file, you'll see them coming with a red handle and a in a little blue plastic cheesy Chineseium case. And awesome. speaking of the mags, the Sack Archer, uh, in relation to that, Kirk, the Kirkham Shelf, uh, options that are compatible with most uh, or all polymer mags is there most but not all anything with a waffle pattern doesn't work with the shelf yeah um, you can belt sand down a waffle mag to where it'll fit like a we've done this with x quite a bit they're very friendly to having their their waffle prints belt sanded off on the right side yeah I think he's asking is is there an option for the Kirkham shelf to have the Kirkham shelf that would be compatible with like the US Palm Mag or something like that. Is it not possible to that put that on? It it's not something you want to do with your life. Yeah, there's yeah. you you defeat a lot of the purpose of a shelf by by having it fit everything. Yeah. I have I have it on mine and um I don't miss not running the the waffle mags out of it. Sure. Yeah, exactly. It's not for most folks. It's not a big sacrifice and it's got a lot of upside, you know, for, for now beginners. I do, I do miss not running, being able to run this big American tactical 60 round, uh, <laughs> magazine through it, but I'm just kidding. Oh, Schmeister. I got a, me. yeah, I got a Schmeister. They sent me another. So I was having issues with the first one they sent me. I talked about it, uh, on the show. So, uh, it, semi-auto, it shot fine. Full auto, it w- didn't like it at all. Uh, so they sent me another one. So I'm going to try it out. We'll see how it how it works. But uh, very cool. I've got high hopes. I saw, saw a good one on here on uh, how is the coronavirus affecting us on supply chain? Uh, for us, recently <clears throat> barrels have become a serious issue for us to be able to locate barrels. <clears throat> Uh, just seven, you know, seven, six, two, five, four, five for a while now. Uh, 
it's all barrels are kind of gone. I mean, you just can't find them anywhere. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, we got fired by one barrel manufacturer, and all right, and our other one is uh, uh, very graciously taking care of us. But you know, it's we had up our order a bunch, and you know, there's an opportunity here for a uh, enterprising leadhead. You know, you're hearing all these demands and, and wants, and you know, from these two guys, it's like we can't get this stuff. Can't get it. Can't get it. Can't get it. Great opportunity to get into the uh, barrel making uh, industry, the trigger making industry, the AK parts industry. Yeah. Uh, just saying. I, I would yep. advise if somebody's thinking of that, do ask a lot of questions before you start making parts. Well, of course. Oh, yeah. Do your research. Made that suck. <laughs> do your research, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've, we've noticed, you know, just, you know, it's just regular supply chain of, Parts are getting hard to find. I mean, they're just not out there right now. And, it's you know, it's not just the gun. It's everywhere. You know, everything's that, that way, right? Yeah. Now. I mean, we were talking about uh, triggers earlier uh, and being able to get ALG triggers during good times. That's what, you know, what John was talking about with ordering 100 and getting 50 or ordering 50 and getting 24. That was before COVID. Yeah. Now it's almost impossible to find them. I mean, I just, you know, people are wondering why our prices are going up. Well, I just went on the web the other day because I can't get ALG triggers. And I bought everything that a safe space tactical had in their store. And they're like a regular old, you know, AR parts store. And that's literally what we're having to do is just the same way that our leadhead customers are looking around. The price you see that for an ALG trigger retail is the price i'm paying right now and i'm happy to be able to just get the part so yeah it's massively changed did i say i was giving away an alg trigger i meant i'm giving away a, a talking lead lead head brigade patch instead uh there you go there you go <laughs> i'm gonna keep that no just kidding somebody's gonna win it <laughs> somebody's gonna win it so i think it's time let's do it those were great questions uh thanks to everyone who participated and uh, you're all eligible to win one of our awesome prizes here. So let's let's pick some winners. What do you say? Sounds, Sounds good. Plan. All right. We'll start with uh, our guest, um, John. Go to our Instagram page there, peruse through there, and uh, pick us a winner for the dump tray. This will be for the dump tray. Right, who's got a nice – I'm working on my gun question. I'm doing a drum roll. <laughs> All right. How about Casey Office? Loftus? Loftus. Casey Loftus. There you go. What was his question? It had to do with. His question was just his first experiences. He worked on it. He got an Occam Defense RST. Oh, yeah. And had us put it on. So there you go. He's used both our products. Boom. There you go. So, Casey, like you get one of our uh, Smith – we're going to call them Smith trays instead of dump trays now. There you uh, go. Smithing trays from Mission First Tactical. Go check them out. Uh, if you didn't win, you can go pick these up at Mission First Tactical. We've got our uh, tactical wallets there also with the Talking Lead logo. Uh, they'll even put any logo that you want on there. They can do that. They've got holsters. They've got AR parts. Uh, hopefully, they'll get back into the AK parts. Um, they used to do that. 
but use code LEADHEAD. You're going to get 20% off at Mission First Tactical. All right, next prize. Let's give away the SEAL 1 kit. SEAL1.net. And Brian, I'm going to let you pick the winner for that. And as you're perusing through um, SEAL1.net, if you use the code LEADHEAD, you're going to get 25% off any of their products at SEAL1. And um, Dwight joined us in our last episode that Brian and I did with Jack Carr. So on the main episode of Talking Lead, um, if you didn't get a chance, go back. Make sure you listen to that episode with Jack Carr, author, former Navy SEAL. Uh, we talk about his new book, Brian, what's it called? Yeah. The Devil's Hand. Uh, the Devil's Hand. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Among other things, we talked we talked about a lot of cool stuff, but um, Dwight joined us on that also. He was going to try to join us tonight, uh, but he's at a show. There's actually a show going on um, somewhere that he's at. He's <laughs> in my neighborhood. I think he's up in Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. He's up in yep. Coeur d'Alene. So who's the winner? And pick somebody who hadn't won before. I uh, well, this guy Ekyar eighty six thirty E A K Y A R eighty six thirty that had the the reason I'm picking him is uh, he had the question on the sticky bolt carrier and ALG trigger. Okay, that, th that's, that's a, a dude who went for it and is having a problem and is trying to get it fixed, and I love it. If he's got so, sticky yeah, problems, he could use Seal One to help uh, clean go. out his. His sticky problems there. There you go. <laughs> Cleans, lubricates, and protects. Definitely. And is oh so bodily compatible should you be in a pinch. So is that on your, your page or my page? I think that might have been on my Insta. On your Insta. So like hover over his name and see what his real name is. If it'll show it. Yeah, for sure. Um, that way he knows for sure who he is. Aaron spelled E-R-E-N-F-A-K, which I bet is Aaron F-A-K. Okay. Nice. I like that. So shoot me an email, talkinglet at gmail.com uh, with your contact info, and uh, Dwight will send you out a nice SEAL 1 package there, Aaron. All right, next up, let's do the T-shirt from John from M13. And I'm going to pick the winner for that. I'm going to go to my Facebook page. And lots of good questions. And some of you asked multiple questions, too. You just you just couldn't get enough out of one question. Um, Sinister Fist, Brett Bedal, uh, Orpheus Barrows, Matthew Lottie. Uh, lots of Sam Russell, Mike, Mike, Tias Jr. How do I get into building AKs at home? Well, there you go, Mike, Mike. We're going to start with giving you a t-shirt from M13 Industries. Heck yeah. Um, and, uh, give him a little better, John, give him a little better <laughs> advice than that. Well, both John and I learned with Jim Fuller. Um, and, uh, so I don't know if he's doing build classes anymore, but he's solid. The gang at RD still does build classes. Mesa kinetic puts one on that's high quality. Um, and then, uh, Lee armory also does build classes starting with the class. It might seem expensive. It is cheap. It's really cheap. Is that of your thinking, John? 
Yeah, it also will get you some of the little tricks. I mean, we all have tricks how to do things, and it gives you some of the tricks of what's what is okay. You know, like Brian says, what like you know trigger guards. How do they fit? What is okay? What is not okay? You know, when you're doing your headspace, what is okay? You know, it, it's one thing yep. to actually see it and be able to ask a question of, hey, is that is that what is that what it's supposed to look like? Yes. Or what if it was a little bit more this way? That's okay too. But you'd prefer to have it over here, kind of thing. So that it would, it's definitely, like you said, it is definitely worth the money. Yeah, it's a lot of money. You're going to spend some cash. But usually, you walk away with another gun, which you built yourself, and you saw you can re, you know use this reference library later, look at it, and go, okay, oh, I see how I did that. I remember now. And you can go back to doing another one before you mess up your first kits. <laughs> yep, yep. You can blow through a lot of kits. You know, I don't. I haven't looked at what the build classes are these days. I think they're around a couple grand. You can, especially with what kits cost these days, two grand is not a lot of money. So it's a steep learning curve if you start messing up kits nowadays. Yep. All right. So we're going to give away the trigger now. The ALG trigger from Geisley. It's the AKT EL enhanced with lightning bow. So, as Brian and, and John told you, these things are hard to get, they're rare. This thing's probably worth a million dollars right now. So oh, I'm sure they're on your broker for hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, very generous of our buddies over at uh, ALG and Geisley to provide this uh, to you, Leadheads. So uh, pick a number between uh, one and, let's say, we probably got at least 50 questions between one and 50. Should we do a random number generizer, generator or what? Random generator. All right. And what I'm going to do is, is one of you guys is doing a random number generator for me there, is I'm going to start the countdown from uh, Facebook. No, actually, I'm going to start it from Brian's Instagram post. Then we're going to jump to my Facebook, and then we'll jump to the Instagram if we don't hit the number. All right. Your magic number is 29. 29. So start with yours and count down your questions there. Here. One, two. We have eight questions in the outcome. To, hey, but they're the highest quality questions. Of course. I'm say. We only got eight, but they're. There's yeah. eight. No, so no, no. then I said I was going to go to what? Facebook? My Facebook? Sounds right. All right. So there's nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, <laughs> 21, and now I'm going to jump to Instagram, and you said 22? 29. Oh, 29, okay, so 21, let's go to Instagram, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. Sinister Fist. Boom. Congrats. Sinister Fist, who is also Sinister Fist. <laughs> well, he, don't, he don't post his real name on there. And he had the RS regulate question that we that we couldn't answer. So uh, fitting, fitting. So send us the fist. Shoot me an email. Talking at gmail.com. You have won the ALG trigger. Um, so send that to me. 
and and whoever won the shirt send me a talking to email talking at gmail.com with your shirt size and i'll send that to john if he's got your size he'll send it if not he'll just send you whatever size he's got but uh there you go there's our winners you 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 listen you participate you win here on talking lead so go show all our sponsors some love let them know how much you appreciate them making the talking lead ak corner possible Occam Defense Solutions. Check them out at OccamDefenseSolutions.com. Instagram is Occam Defense Solutions, at Occam Defense Solutions. And um, no discount codes right now from, from Brian because everything's at a premium. Uh, well, which is understandable. always been on sale. We sell as reasonable That's as right. That's right. Free, free shipping every day. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. I like that. Mission First Tactical. Um, be sure to use that code LEADHEAD for 20% off. Seal1, seal1.net, LEADHEAD, you're going to get 25% off there. Um, ASP USA, uh, which is ASP USA, has some awesome dual fuel flashlights um, that you can get 20% off on their website. Use code LEAD20. And then, of course, Factory 47, you're going to get the and I'll put my for for the listeners, uh, listeners, the people watching the YouTube video here. I'm going to put this background back up. That's not it. There it is. The official Talking Lead AK Corner logo, Factory Forty Seven, uh, is putting these on T-shirts, hoodies, and I don't have my my mug tonight. But they've got cool mugs that they've got that logo on. It's engraved. The background screwing things up. Um, but you can go there, factory47.com, use the code LEADHEAD, get 10% off any of their products. And they've got cool AK-themed uh, logo T-shirts. They've got all the the manufacturing company's logos on T-shirts. It's really cool. And ours are double printed. So you get our logo on the front and on the back, you get a whole slew of other um, AK manufacturers' logos. It's pretty cool. So go check them out, factory47.com. Oh, IWI, IWI US, definitely. Uh, go show them some love over there. Still in the works on getting an episode about Uzis, John. We're going to talk Uzis one episode on the nice. Talking Lead AK Corner. You got any experience with Uzis? Got one sitting on the ground over here. Let's see <laughs> it. Show it. We're Gun porn. We're all about it. <laughs> we love the gun porn. So, Brian, from now, we're going to have to have our guns here and pointing and talking about yeah. stuff. It's, yeah. it's still pieces, but we've got one to rebuild here. Beautiful. Uh, it's, so it's got a It's had a rough life, and it needs a lot of love. needs a little <laughs> it's love. It's actually a range gun from one of the ranges here in town. It's just been – it needs a lot of weld repair on it because they, they run them until they die. So Now, you're in Vegas. Do you, uh, do you deal with um, – What's the big one there in Vegas? The big gun? Uh, Battlefield Vegas. Battlefield, Battlefield. Do you deal with them? Uh, no, they got their own crew there because okay. they they eat up some guns. I you know I always tell everyone range guns have no life. They are they're going to die fast. Yeah. Uh, to kind of scare you on how many rounds on peak times those guys in a three day weekend will go through a hundred thousand rounds of seven six two for three guns. Yeah, that sounds like um, Royal Range USA here in Nashville. They 
they do that too. They they'll host bachelor parties and things like that. People come in and just they've got the fully auto guns, pretty cool stuff. Um, but yeah, so give your contact info again where everybody can get in touch with you, your website, your social medias, all that. Website is m13industries.com. Uh, you know, if you could contact us, it's info at m13industries.com. Uh, we're on uh, YouTube, we're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all underneath our name, M13 Industries. We found everywhere. Everywhere. They're everywhere. And let them know, Leadheads. Go show them some love. Let them know how much you appreciate him being on, sharing his his knowledge. Uh, would love to get you back on, John. Uh, there's, there's so much more that, uh, you know, we could talk about. And we've got, we're four episodes in of a 12-episode uh, season, so we got lots more of Talking Lead AK Corner coming up. And uh, Brian, welcome to Fence Solutions. Give all the contact info there. Yeah, AuckhamDefense.com, um, Instagram, which is the best way to interact with me personally, is in the chat in posts. Occam Defense. Uh oh. Relax, uh, Ryan. It's there. Um, He's and back. then, uh, uh, then uh, email. Um, is on our website if you want to get in touch with us on a custom build or something like that or you just got a question um, phone we do still we don't answer the phone very much but we do return voicemail and so you can expect to return call within 24 hours if you leave us a voicemail um, and that's that's the show there you go that's it that does it for season three episode four of the talking lead ak corner I guess I should hold up the AK Corner logo. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you guys have, again, shoot me an email if you've got uh, suggestions for topics that you want us to talk about, either on the AK Corner or just our regular show guest. Uh, if there's a, a particular guest, company, or uh, product, anything like that that you want us to talk about or have on the show, talkinglet.gmail.com. Put AK Corner in the, the subject. Ask your question. Uh, post your suggestion. Love to hear from from the leadheads, the leadhead brigade. Because John, we have been educating the uneducated at Talking Lead for almost a decade, brother. Going on ten years coming up. Nice. So leadheads, until the next episode of the AK Corner, get out there, study up, and let's uh, participate, listen, and win. Talking Lead. <laughs>